Hello and welcome to 40 Guard Live. This is Derek Mankey once again, and as always, uh, uh, joining me is Amar Lakhani. How are you doing, Amar? Great to see you again. I am doing wonderful. Always glad to be back. Always good to see you. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's let's jump right into it. So there's been some really exciting news in the world of cybersecurity. Good news. We always talk about the bad news. Um, so it's always good to start off on, on, on what's happening with all the efforts that we've done in the past in, in the world of cyber, um, you know, fighting cyber crime. So it was mentioned, of course, uh, recently that uh, the Emotet botnet, which has been uh, the proverbial thorn in everybody's side when it comes to cybersecurity law enforcement, it really impacted um, globally on people, uh, of course, doing um, mass campaigns for, for ransom, um, you know, pegged anywhere from over a billion dollar business just for Emotet itself, complex malware, as we know. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there is a coordinated takedown, really unprecedented, right? I mean, this was coordinated across law enforcement across the world, which is, is fantastic, something that we always advocate at and, and, and build towards with, uh, you know, public-private um, partnerships. So, um, you know, this was a whole gambit, right? It was everything from the arrests and takedowns to going infrastructure, uh, you know, going after the infrastructure, seizing uh, the assets, right? So it was this whole you know, holy grail that we look at when it comes to the, um, you know, um, takedowns, right? Trying to get to, to the end point, freeze the assets, go after the people. And um, it's interesting because um, they were, A, doing sinkholing. So they were taking, uh, you know, um, control of the infrastructure, sending benign payloads. So legally being able to, to actually cripple the botnet itself, uh, which was interesting. And then also, you know, it gives us a really interesting glimpse into the world of, of, of these criminal operations, right? Uh, in terms of uh, where their their infrastructure is hosted, uh, it's not always um, you know it's not always these uh, fancy operations that people think they are. No, absolutely. So first of all, I have to tell you this was definitely a win for cybersecurity yeah. professionals. Uh, if anyone's ever had to deal with uh, you know Emoted uh, has ever had to deal with uh, you know the malware itself, it is a pain. I mean, it's first of all, it started off as a banking trojan back in the day, and since then it evolved into a very sophisticated botnet. It had been modular, so the botnet itself has the ability to update, uh, you know, periodically whenever it needs to. It had features that were added in, such as like, you know, doing brute force attacks on uh, wireless networks that was scanning nearby. It was uh, looking for vulnerabilities within software. Sometimes it was exposing and exploiting zero-day vulnerabilities as well. So it was a, it was a, just a very nasty piece of malware. And seeing that it got taken down was like, like super cool because first of all, it's probably one of the most spread as far as, far as volume goes of uh, malware that's out there as a botnet. Um, it had multiple um, attack points. You know, for example, people did use it as a botnet to attack other systems. Uh, people loaded in exploit kits. And of course, we usually had a lot of ransomware associated with it as well. Uh, over the years, I've seen so many cases of like really large public entities, government entities paying ransomware, and usually it was this botnet that was uh, the basis or at least the initial uh, attack vector from uh, the way they got in. Uh, normally through phishing emails or things like that, but so it was really good to see see the takedown happen. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, good on all the fronts, and that's what I meant about uh, well, part of what I meant about the, the thorn in the side because 
I know we've, you know, 40 Card Labs, obviously, we were seeing this. Um, it, it was routinely featured, obviously, and, and included in our, our threat reporting that we do. Uh, in terms of actually, you know, even for technical minds like our, our 40 Guard Labs uh, analysts, right, we have to look at the malware that's used. And I know that they use heavy, heavy layers of obf obfuscation as an example. It wasn't simplified. So even th there's a lot of effort into to make sure that their operation could run for a while. But obviously, this that's why it's such good news, right, to actually take the stride in the right direction and, and move forward. Um, and, you know, it's inter interesting because uh, the reason that this was successful is because all the above, right, obviously it was in the spotlight, coordinated effort. Um, at the same time, their, their, their infrastructure, the way it was dismantled, of course, or, or um, well, um, targeted um, for the, the takedown um, strategy was going after the command and control infrastructure, right? So the C2 hosting, they, they did sync holding, like I said, so basically controlling the servers for, for that communication. And that worked, uh, which is great. But, you know, it gets me thinking, we talked about this going back to, I think, one of the last uh, episodes we did um, last year. You know, we talked about this idea of, botnet operators uh, trying to become more robust. And I, I, I think this is going to be where we see some action on that, right? Obviously, this is a blow to the cyber criminals. They're not going to go away, uh, but they're going to try to innovate more, I think. And, you know, it's like what we talked about. Um, it's the game of whack-a-mole, but in a sense, they're going back to the, the drawing board. And I think we're going to start to see more complex infrastructure, more uh, robust infrastructure. We had talked about TrickBot as an example last year that used um, IoT devices. So, you know, scattered devices that are sitting in residential, um, you know, uh, uh, addresses that are infected and, and hosting C2 uh, communication through proxies, uh, through the IoT devices. That, you know, if we look at at the uh, Emotet takedown, obviously they they knew where those servers were. They went in, they got them. Um, I think you know, as as we know that we saw that they were actually um, some some servers uh, in some pretty shady looking places, right? Versus you know an actual legitimate residential address. So I think that's going to cause some issues in the future. We might see some developments on that this year. Exactly. There's a couple of videos like released on the takedown. You saw law enforcement going into places. They look like college dorms. Uh, you saw PCs that really look like PCs that weren't any new new computers. They had their, uh, you know, covers taken off, uh, systems exposed. They look like it was just a motherboard in some cases sitting on the table. And that's the command and control server. I think you bring up an interesting point because no one really first thought Emotet could really be taken down, at least not in a coordinated effort like this because it had multiple command and control servers with um, obviously multiple entities running them in different continents. And it made it really difficult to take that down. And you couldn't really take down one because another command control server would come up. You couldn't really, you know, uh, inform like the victims right away what happened or you would tip off the attackers. So it actually took a lot of coordination and it took law enforcement basically working together at the same time to take the whole infrastructure down take over the infrastructure and take it down. And, yeah. uh, and there's also a lot of legal matters, right? I mean, like, hey, even if it's a victim, you can't really, can you can you fix them? Can you inform mm -hmm. them? What is that going to tip off? So so a lot of uh, a lot of discovery from a logistics standpoint, as well as a technical standpoint on how to take down this botnet. But the great point you put up is, or bring up is, what's next for the attackers? They're like, okay, now that we know even a complicated distributed command and control system can be taken down, how else do we protect our yeah. system? And yeah. IoT, I think, is the next step. We've seen IoT devices 
being attacked and being part of a botnet, but I think we're going to start seeing IoT devices becoming the command and control. So we're going to see the botnet become its own command and control, and I think that's going to be very scary. Yeah, and this is exactly what we've been talking about for years uh, in terms of precursors of swarm technology. I mean, in essence, that's what it is, right? It's more of that mesh network, the strength in numbers, the resilience. You take a couple of nodes offline and uh, more are just going to take the place. And so I think I think we're going to yeah, definitely see a, a resurgence, right, in, in mesh network technology peer-to-peer. Um, and we're already seeing some botnets that are being created for that. But I, I just think that's really going to start to be focused on more and take off, too. Yeah, the swarm or the grouping of attacks is really what's the dangerous part. I mean, it's not like a single attack normally, you know, affects an organization, uh, you know, completely. Uh, like, yes, a single attack may, you know, have an organization infected, but it's the combination of all the attacks that the botnets are doing, that the attackers are doing, whether they're using attacks from five years ago or three years ago or the latest zero days. But it's that combination of attacks uh, along with all of them being chained together. We call those chained exploits sometimes in the industry, but those chained exploits are the things that really hurt people and it really hurts organizations to try and stay ahead of the game and protect their entire infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so anyway, yeah, great, great news on, on Emote. Um, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to other peers in the industry and uh, everyone's quite excited about it. So I think that's a great way um, to, to make some progress and some good news finally, like I said, to, to talk about. And it's something that we've, that we've always uh, been a big advocate of and, and I think all, all the viewers know that FortiGuard Labs is heavily involved with public-private sector relationships, working with uh, partners like Interpol um, and uh, and the World Economic Forum now through the Center for Cybersecurity and the Partnership on Cybercrime. There's going to be more action like this, more good news to follow. We're certainly uh, heavily involved in that. Um, and uh, speaking of which, um, you know, one of the things that's front of mind for uh, law enforcement, and one of the things, um, one of the most other prevalent attacks we see is business email compromise attacks. Um, this was something that Emotet was able to do because it, it had the capability to do uh, thread hijacking, email thread hijacking, which is very scary if you think about it. It's very effective, right? Because instead of trying to give lures to people, like cold calling in essence, um, using you know, front of mind hot search uh, you know, topics like um, COVID lures as an example, um, why not, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to bypass that and go into existing conversations. It's almost like a social network, right? I mean, um, you know, you have these uh, basically malware attachments uh, that open in, with Motet. Um, in fact, the system harvest emails, send those email threads to the command and control so that the attackers can then model that, analyze it, and then inject themselves right into that thread, uh, which makes it, you know, again, if you're going from an internal employee to the CFO to try to infect them, uh, an, an infected internal employee's machine, that's way easier, right? Especially if you're injecting into a, a, a compromised email thread. That's something Emotet had the capability to do, but with Emotet obviously under fire in the crosshairs, other threats now are taking um, are uh, are taking rise on the same technique. So Qbot is one example, right? Where they're able to do um, a threat hijacking. This is a threat that's uh, quite old, but now has been updated and modified to include this technology. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny the the, the threat Qbot itself, it, as you said, is quite old. And even even Emotet, these these techniques as security professionals, when we look at them, they're not new techniques. I mean, you essentially get an email with an attachment in that. And the attachment is usually an office document. You open it up, and it will tell you enable macros or enable editing. You usually have that yellow bar that comes across by default on your office documents, and until you hit enable. 
it's not really going to do anything, but they use social engineering skills. They'll have things on their documents saying this is a secure document, click enable, and that is when the attack happens. Same thing with QBot. One of the interesting things you mentioned is what what happened is what the attackers, attacks did is, first of all, they were silent for a little bit, so they didn't kind of tip their hand that you'd been attacked. They waited a little bit, and then what they did was they started looking at your address book. They started looking at email addresses and emailing everyone else um, the same attack. But now what they're doing is they're becoming part of a conversation or a thread, an email thread, and they're like, sending one more email in, even if that email doesn't make sense. But if you already have a thread going on with someone, if you already have an active conversation going in with someone, you may be more inclined to trust whatever that email is. And that's that's an interesting social aspect to the attacks. Yeah, and we always talk about identity, um, authentication, multi-factor authentication. Um, sometimes that's difficult. So don't just rely on email for your authentication by uh, uh, replying and sending to a, a message or opening an attachment unsolicited obviously like that um even if it is from a trusted peer especially for important documents or, or work that, that we're doing it's always good to do um authentication right um you know we, we, had, we had a case here where uh there's been um break-ins to houses with um, people uh, who are posing as law enforcement police police officers and they're opening the door and, and letting them in to the house uh without again multi-factor authentication so the police of course are recommending to do uh calls to the dispatch badge checking and identity um it should really be the same thing that's in the physical world it should be the same thing in the cyber world too and of course when it comes to opening these attachments, um, this malware is complex, a motet like we talked about. You need to be able to have a robust solution that can do uh, in, in memory um, analysis, as an example, right? To be able to do that, you need, uh, you, you're gonna have to have, um, you know, um, something like 40 EDR uh, that we have too. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree there. Um, these these things are getting more complicated. Uh, they're getting complicated uh, like all the time. Like more 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 importantly, like you know, these attacks. What we're finding is they're they're not new techniques, but they're taking advantage of whatever like maybe on top of your mind from an emotional standpoint. You mentioned like some of the COVID attacks. We yeah. we started seeing that. Uh, but whatever whatever that attack is, uh, they're also using new techniques that are much more harder to detect unless you have some sort of advanced endpoint detection, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, EDR, XDR type solution, because it's not one thing that can usually catch these attacks from a technology standpoint. Uh, you need multiple like inputs. You need to start looking at networking. You need to start needing to having yeah. some sort of analysis as well as behavior on the endpoint, because with the code being so modular and yeah. also the code also being written in multiple uh, like languages like Golang, Python to attack multiple types of systems, they don't care if you're like on a Mac on a Windows, on on Unix, whatever the case may be, and uh, they're attacking you, and they're using multiple opportunities to attack you. Well, last thing I want to talk about is the, the chain of attacks that you referenced. So, um, you know, two years ago, um, I, I did a talk at RSA on um, offensive automation because that was just starting. Then there's a, a, we've talked about it before. Toolkits like Autosploit, which match up vulnerabilities on systems. Uh, to, you know, if you want a query of vulnerable IIS services, an example, Apache servers, you can get a list of targets and then you, you match up, you know, the, the relevant exploits from a Metasploit as, as an example that you might use, right? Um, so if you're using um, attack, uh, pen testing frameworks that can be automated. But what we're seeing now, I think, is attackers going in and, you know, this is two years ago we talked about it. 
today, I think you're seeing out there in, in, in your research, things that are much more clever, like smart algorithms that are being created. And, and we truly are starting to move now into the weaponization of, of machine learning and AI for these attacks. I don't think we're quite there yet, but, we're, but there is, has been quite a bit of progress I think in the last two years, right? Yeah, so I haven't seen like like true machine learning type malware, uh, but they are starting to take advantage of uh, they're more more they have more thought behind them, at least more options behind them, right? So they'll they'll scan for systems. They'll they'll be like, hey, what's on the system? Is it software? Is the software has known vulnerabilities? If it does, that software will probably be on other systems on the network. You know, can I expand vertically throughout an organization? Hey, what else is going on? Like, you know, I'm on a network on a corporate network. I see the wireless that I'm connected to. What about the other wireless? Is that like maybe an organization that's in the same building? Can I brute force that? You know, can I get on that system and start spreading around? So it, it will start having more and more intelligence built into it. Now, from a machine learning standpoint, we we definitely have heard of at least uh, you know proof of concepts where they're trying to like. Uh, hide the the method of uh, of how they're infecting, like the initial attack vector that they're trying to spread. Luckily, all the proof of concepts that I've seen, the payload, the actual bad piece of that malware is normally the same thing that we've seen traditionally. So it's still being able to be caught by traditional security devices, but that's only proof of concept. So we know this is going to be evolving. We know it's going to be much harder to detect. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to get very, very creative with the type of attacks. Yeah, and I think uh, naturally, again, machine learning works off of uh, data sample pools. And I think I think naturally we're going to start to see the first application. We already start, I mean, it's already being used, but I think we're going to see more development in this area for phishing, right? Um, because, again, old school phishing campaigns are very automated. Um, people, so, you know, phishing is trying to fish after the human mind, exploit the human mind. People, most people in our are pretty aware of 419 scams, things like that. But if it's a well-crafted email that's, um, you know, um, tailored towards a, a user's environment, as an example, obviously it's going to be more effective. That's where machine learning, I think, from an attacker's toolkit can really shine. And going back to what we're talking about with the Motet and QBot, if they're harvesting these emails too, um, that is, you know, prime material for them to be able to do this machine learning on. So I think there's going to be a lot more uh, precision when it comes to phishing moving forward too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we, I've seen like, actually recently from these uh, these botnets when they have all these emails, there's actually programs out there attackers are using that are taking emails and then they're testing them against multiple e-commerce sites, such as the big ones like the Amazons and places of that nature. And they're basically trying multiple the email addresses that they've gone around multiple banking sites, around multiple e-commerce sites and trying it multiple passwords lists. And, uh, and when something works, it automatically spits out or creates a new list that they know is a valid attack list. And you're starting to see that on sale on a lot of dark end marketplaces, as well as other places uh, where people are saying, hey, we've compromised, uh, you know, this company XYZ, and this is all their usernames and passwords. And the sad part is that the company may not have even been compromised that someone's just using the same username and password. And that's why cyber hygiene is so important. Yeah. right? And uh and uh, now you're running around figuring out where, the, you know, where the attack came from, and it may not even have come from your organization. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, cyber hygiene, we'll talk about that uh, every single day. And, and like I said, anything that you're always on guard in the, in the physical world, cyber world should be no different, especially when it comes to, to trust 
um, authenticating wh where that source is coming from. That's the old school think before you link or you know pick before you click with, with URLs and links, but also when it comes now with business email compromise, these hijacked threads we're talking about um, to uh, certainly keeping these cutting edge, uh, well, really um, these new techniques that are being put in, uh, in, in front of mind all the time. I think it's important. But with that said, um, there is good news. Like I said, it's great to talk about that. Uh, again, thanks. It's always fascinating talk to you and uh, talking to you, Amar. Uh, hopefully we can continue to talk about good news <laughs> on the next episodes. Um, thanks again for your time. Hey, thank you again. Yeah, this is Derek Mankey with Fortigard Live. Thanks for viewing.